Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Some leaders just give off this incredible vibe, energy, and positivity. Dini Mehta, the Chief Revenue Officer at Lattice, is definitely one of these unique leaders that folks just gravitate towards and they want to follow. In the latest episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, Dini shares how she found her place in sales and in leadership and her approach to driving revenue growth while building not only a winning team, but a winning culture. As a woman of color in a C-level role, leading a revenue organization and a high growth technology company, Dini shares her three rules to help other women looking to elevate their career. In addition, Dini shares that one thing for other revenue leaders that makes all the difference to accelerate revenue and truly power the revenue engine. Dini says, optimize for culture and people over pipeline. So take a listen and learn more about these three rules, this one thing, and just so much more from this amazing leader. So super excited to be here today with Dina Mehta, the CRO at Lattice. Lattice is the people management platform that empowers people leaders to build engaged, high-performing teams through connecting performance management, employee engagement, and employee development all in one solution. Lattice has over 2,000 customers across every industry from technology and software, healthcare, finance, insurance, real estate, education, and so much more. So if you have a team, you will definitely find value with Lattice. So welcome, Dini, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Rosalind. So excited to be here. Absolutely. So when thinking about the Revenue Engine podcast, I really wanted to not only feature leaders who are accelerating revenue in high growth companies, but leaders who are really making a difference elsewhere. You know, you and I have been connected for about two years now, I think through a number of different channels. And I have just been increasingly impressed by your style of leading by example, and just your demonstration of empathy. So I'm very, very excited to share your story and just learn more about your journey. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Super excited to be here. That's great. So let's go ahead and get started. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the journey that led you to Lattice. I mean, you've had a long and impressive career in revenue at a number of different companies, and you've been at Lattice, I think, for a little over three years now. So can you share a little bit about your journey and maybe some of the key milestones that have led you to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I'll try to keep this short. Um, but yeah, I started off, I fell into tech and um, college, you know, trying to figure out sort of what should I do next and, and um, got my first role at a small publisher. Um, and I was a business generalist and it was, it was such a great experience because I got to interact with a lot of different functions, everything from business development to account management to operations, just to get mm-hmm. a sense for what I want, what, what am I excited about, what, what am I passionate about? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I really like external facing conversations. So conversations with potential customers, prospects, um, and I fought sales for a bit because I associated it with this sleazy, high pressure time. <laughs> I thought I was above that. <laughs> and um, I tried doing, you know, I did business development for a bit and it was good. I learned a lot. I did account management for a bit. Um, and then eventually realized that my heart was in sales and mm-hmm. I loved everything about it. It was, it had, uh, it had high upside. You could earn your autonomy um, there, it's very objective in nature. It's clear in terms of what are the key performance indicators that you need to hit. And so I fell in love with the craft of sales um, and got my first taste of scaling startups at a company called Quantcast. Um, mm-hmm. A brand new product into a brand new market uh, that was growing fast. And so got to experience hyper growth within a growing market. And I really fell in love with that process. Um, and that's where, you know, I, 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 I really learned that like sales was where my passion lied. And then I also realized that's where I want to, um, I love people development and, uh, moved into management. Um, and then from there, I, um, I was there for about two and a half years towards the end. I was getting to a place where, um, I was craving a bit more challenge, um, Mm -hmm. decided to join drawbridge where I was, uh, Part of a much smaller team, um, bringing a brand new product into market again, very similar, but earlier stage. And I was there for about five and a half years. And by the end, I was uh, responsible for global, global revenue. Um, that's where I really learned to scale myself as a leader, um, mm-hmm. learned about what gave me energy. Um, and then from that experience, at that point, I sort of had a lot of experience selling to marketers. Um, running outbound first enterprise sales machines. Um, and I wanted to learn, I wanted to be in a new space that was challenged me. Something that's sort of always driven me in my career has been sort of what, when I get too comfortable is when I become uncomfortable. It's like, all right, this mm-hmm. is time to push yourself. Um, and that's what led me to Lattice. So um, when I joined Lattice, I was looking for a mission-driven people-first company in a big growing market. And so I knew that uh, people development was close to my heart. Um, and then ideally, I wanted to be at a later stage company because I'd only done startups. I'd done this sort of Series A game. Um, mm-hmm. but after meeting the Lattice team, seeing the product um, and the mission, I just had to join. So it sort of checked all the boxes for me except for <laughs> stage piece um and so when i joined we were a series a 35 40 person company and i've been there for about about three years um yeah that's a little bit about my journey and what's brought me brought me to today that's amazing thank you for sharing that um you know sometimes you talked a little bit about sales and sort of like you were drawn to sales but i think sometimes in our careers there's sort of that that aha moment right that really helps you see things from a different perspective along you know, along your journey, was there a moment in time or maybe an event or even a person that really helped kind of shape or change your career? Oh, there's been a few. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have helped shape um, shape my journey and my career. Uh, one that comes to mind is, um, I think, my move into management. When I mm-hmm. first um, realized that I really liked sales, um, I sort of was, I was, 
pretty committed and had a lot of conviction that I was just going to be a seller and be responsible for my own deals, responsible for my own commission. I controlled sort of my destiny. And I loved that about sales. And I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm going to move into management. And uh, we had this buddy program. It was like a mentorship program. We were in hyper growth. We were like onboarding 20 people on a monthly basis. And um, I decided to like partake in that as a mentor, a senior person on the team. And something shifted for me as, as part of participating in that program. At some point, I was more excited to see folks that I was helping coach, uh, coaching folks uh, close their first deal versus when I closed my own deals. And that's when I realized that this is sort of my path. Um, and that was a big aha moment for me, which, you know, I think, and since then, I've always kept um, I've used my gut instinct and how I feel through things to help guide me into the next thing that I'm passionate about. But I'd say that was one that really led me to realize that people development is, is at the core of what I, what I really enjoy and then building and scaling world-class teams. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's, let's talk about Lattice a bit more. I mean, it seems like the kind of the perfect place for you based on what you've kind of shared already. I mean, Lattice has experienced just such incredible growth over the last few years. I think you had the most recent series E raise in March of this year, and now you're officially a unicorn um, status. So congratulations uh, with a valuation of a billion dollars. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a really fun ride. Yeah, and the company's just been recognized by all of the top organizations for growth. I mean, you were in Inc. 5000, I saw in Forbes, Fast Company, obviously LinkedIn, G2, and just so much more. And those are, you know, really just focused on the growth aspect. And obviously, we'll talk about employees a little bit later. Um, from your perspective, you know, what are some of the key elements that have really contributed to the high growth that Lattice has experienced? Yeah, it's a really good question. And when we, when we, talk, about, when we talk about a lot internally... Um, and one of the things that drew me to Lattice in the in the first place when I joined three years ago, one of the things that I was really looking for in a company is is a founding team that valued people in culture as much as they valued growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just as you you know start to move into this hyper growth phase, uh, it's easy to let people in culture take a back seat and really just focus on the growth. And one of the things that has had a, had, that has stayed consistent, the reason I joined and up to today, our exec team, um, the alignment around the importance of people, culture, and our company values. We all, you know, deeply believe that that is the secret sauce to uh, building high-performing teams and highly engaged workforces. And so, um, I think that is one of the core elements of what makes Lattice special, despite all the growth. Um, and one of the things I was nervous about, I remember in uh, early 2019, uh, when we went through annual planning, I was a bit nervous about the amount of growth we're doing as a team. And I was like, what does this mean for our culture? And what was so amazing was at the end of 2019, we grew, I, I think we grew 3x, both in terms of team size and revenue, and our culture had only gotten stronger. So what what I thought before coming into Lattice was you could only do one. You could either have a high-performing teams that's growing really fast, or you could have a great culture. And mm-hmm. now having gone through this experience, um, I know you can do both if you have the right alignment um, as, as a team. I think outside of sort of the execution and that core alignment around uh, values, 
there's been some broader market trends that have worked to our advantage over the years that have been as there's been a shift in power from companies to employees as new generations are entering the workforce they're demanding more continuous performance management um, they're unwilling to stick with the sort of um, black box of or just annual performance review cadence and if they don't have the performance if they don't have the transparency and input um, into their own developmental path they're going to leave and so I think that's creating this sort of uh, market opportunity. And even in the last three years, the market's moved closer to what we've, what we've sort of, um, what we were founded on. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, you touched on sort of that culture and it's interesting that you say, you know, you can value people and culture as much as you value growth. Um, you know, that sounds like definitely something that you think, you know, you and the company have really done right. Are there other things that you think you've really done right? And maybe some of the things that, you think you can continue to do better? Yeah, it's a good, I mean, there's there's probably a list on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the one that comes to mind, like one thing that we've done really well is hiring great people for, that are appropriate. Um, I think a lot of times in startups, folks that might enjoy an earlier phase aren't the right fit for um, a later, more mature phase of the business. And I think we've all consistently uh, rethought Reevaluated the profile of the folks we've hired. We've also had some amazing people join us on the journey, um, and then enabling them to do their best work, which is how do we create um, frameworks? How do we limit red tape and process? So all these talented people that are that are excited about our mission um, are are excited to help us build this company have the opportunity to do so. Versus, um, you know, sometimes you can in this in this hyper growth phase. Um, over-processify stuff, if that's even a word. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I think that is one area that we've done well, which is have right amount of process that can help us scale, but not overburden process that can actually enable uh, teams to do their best work um, and truly make work meaningful, which is our mission. So I'd say there's the hiring people and enabling the, them to do their best work is something that that we've consistently done well. And the transparency with which... Um, We've, we've continued to operate. And that sort of transparency breeds trust and psychological safety, uh, which mm-hmm. is so healthy in this, in this phase when things aren't going well, people are comfortable um, in engaging in healthy conflict. So I think it goes back to like who we've hired, how we've enabled them um, in the culture and the community we're building around them to truly support their own development and growth on, on the things that we've done well. On the Got flip it. side, um, in terms of sort of what could we what could we improve? I'd say there's continuing to like get ahead on infrastructure uh, build outs. When I think about infrastructure, it's everything from management, bandwidth, um, HR, finance, ops, and we've done a really good job. We have a great team um, that 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 sort of um, owns all of those pieces. But I think there's uh, in this phase, it's easy to like. Uh, easy to like prioritize key roles that are revenue generating. Um, but in my mind, almost a sequencing of that has to be you build the infrastructure first and then you add in, uh, add in the growth because it makes it so much easier if you have sort of the infrastructure around this, around the growth. And so I think that is an area we're continuing to tweak and get better at as a company. That's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously being on the ops side of the house, I'm 
big supporter of that, a <laughs> big champion <laughs> of that. Um, so let's talk about, you know, Lattice a little bit more because I think, you know, being in the people management and engagement space, Lattice is really uniquely positioned in terms of employee engagement and building a winning culture. And I just love to hear, you know, all of the things that you're doing and how important it is within the company. But because been reading some of the content that you share, like on LinkedIn, I mean, it's very apparent that these are areas that are extremely important to you personally as a leader. So can we talk a little bit about that? I'd love to, you know, if you can share sort of your approach to leadership and how do you, you know, from a being the CRO at Lattice, really build a winning team and culture? Totally. Um, and this is something that's really close to my heart. Uh, people used to wait, you know, I think you've, I remember a few years ago, folks, someone asked me this, which is like, what is, what is your leadership style? And um, my, my answer is always, I, I've always, even when I first moved into management, um, I focused on building an org and managing people how I would want to be managed. And if you build an org around what would I love when I was coming up in sales 10 years ago, uh, what would I have loved to be part of? And that is my lens in, in how I think about building winning cultures and winning teams um, at the core of it, I lead with my heart. I am, I'm, I'm definitely an empathetic leader um, that thinks about the team first, almost to a fault. Um, <laughs> I guess that like is closest to servant leadership, uh, mm-hmm. but that's who I am authentically. I like feel for people. I really care deeply about people's growth, people's development. Um, what do the business moves mean for the people? But I think if you can, I've recognized that if I can, help connect the dots around strategy, uh, business strategy and people strategy, magic can happen. And that's what we've done at Lattice. So I'd say it's closest to servant leadership, but I also have, you know, flavors of democratic management. I like consensus building um, in terms of making big decisions together as a group. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about my style and, and how I think about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, specific um, to the sales team, do you have any tips or advice maybe for other revenue leaders? Because I think, you know, keeping the team engaged and motivated is tough, right? Especially for some of the challenging, you know, things that we've gone through over the past, you know, 18 months or so. Um, And then I guess, especially as it pertains to some of the folks who are newer into sales, are there sort of tips or advice that you would share? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there's a few. Um, one, build scalable programs early. I think investing in real bandwidth, something I, I touched on around ops, enablement, um, earlier than you think you need it is, is mm-hmm. always is, is better because you're going you're gonna to band-aid things together and then you're going to have to like invest at a later point because you've taken on some debt. So I'd say building scalable programs and investing in real infrastructural bandwidth early is good um, if you can afford it. I think similar vein, building programs like career pathing and development way before you need it, like thinking through your competencies and how do they align to your hiring processes and your enablement programs and your career pathing and development. If you can build that infrastructure out as you start to like hire more folks, um, you'll it'll just help with standardization and scalability of the of the team. Um, and then I think for the team itself, I there's there's this like healthy balance of holding a high bar of performance and accountability um, while creating a psychologically safe environment where people feel comfortable testing and failing. Um, and I really think doing both of those pieces are key 
to building a world-class sales team. Um, because if you don't have the accountability and the performance and only have a safe environment, then you're not winning. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, if you have this high bar for performance, but haven't created an, a safe environment for your team, it just, it feels, um, it doesn't feel as, it, it doesn't feel in, in envi- a safe environment where you can, we can, you can grow and fail and test. So I think it's both of those pieces that are critical. And a lot of this, I think, goes back to to hiring and and your values. What values do you celebrate? Uh, what happens if somebody doesn't follow the values but is a top performer? And I think all of those behaviors that you model as a leader can play such a big part in how folks um, perceive sales in their own careers long term. Oh, I love that. There's so much in there. <laughs> There's so much to unpack just in what you've gone through. But that is really great advice. You know. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I think at some point, you know, hopefully in the very near future, like this won't even be a topic that's relevant. But I think as we know, you know, unfortunately in today's world, I mean, sales is still a predominantly male field, right? There's still more males Mm -hmm. um, than female, especially when you look at sales leadership roles, right? You see less female leaders, especially women of color, right? And as as a RevOps leader, you know, there's been many times where I am really the only woman in the room right? Or maybe the only minority and oftentimes both. So, you know, I think what would be really great to hear about is sort of, you know, as a woman of color in a CRO role at a leading technology company, you know, what advice do you have for other women who are maybe looking to elevate their career and, you know, sort of continue to move up the ladder, if you will? Oh, I, I, I wait for the day when this isn't a thing and there's just yes. so, many, so many women of color in leadership positions in, in, in the revenue world. Uh, but it is, and it, there's been a lot of progress on this front too over the last mm-hmm. decade or so, uh, but definitely a lot of room for us to continue to get better here. I'd say, you know, if I had to give advice to my, um, to my younger self, what would I say? And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a few things. One, um, run your own race. Um, I think early on, I, I, because I didn't see other folks that looked like me, I tried to pretend to be someone else and try to be on their timeline, their path, and see if I can just replicate what they've done. Um, and then I realized that that's just not healthy uh, for my own growth. And that's just didn't feel authentic to me. And so something that I've like, I live by is run your own race. Um, Mm -hmm. And two, be comfortable in the discomfort. Uh, When you're the only woman in the room, when you're the only person of color in the room, it's uncomfortable to speak up. It's uncomfortable to own your space. But I think owning that discomfort is where growth happens. And so something, again, like I live by, I have a little sticky note on my screen with all (laughs) the tidbits. And the third one is be kind to yourself. Um, I think um, I'm like a lifelong student of fighting imposter syndrome. And so um, this is something that I, in the past, I was pretty unkind to myself with the type of negative self-talk I would have. And so uh, now I know that, you know, if I'm having a bad day, that's okay. It's okay to take a break, come back to it later. Uh, And I'm a big believer of emotion drives action um, in, in purposes like oxygen and finding your why is key. Um, to taking action. But, you know, I think being kind to yourself, be comfortable in the discomfort and run your own race. Those are like my three, three rules that I live by. I love those. I love all of those, especially the be comfortable in the discomfort. I always think about 
that's where you really experience the most growth, right? Mm -hmm. You get comfortable with being uncomfortable and just, I think that's where you start to really grow professionally and personally. Absolutely. So good thing. So let's pivot a bit to operations, right? As you, as you know, I've been on my soapbox, right, for <laughs> over a year and a half, really promoting revenue operations, right, the function and the people. Because selfishly, I think revenue operations, um, you know, the function, but especially the leader and the team, is really the powerful sort of secret weapon for the revenue team and for the CRO. Um, you talked a little bit about operations and infrastructure as well. So, what are your thoughts on how? a CRO can best leverage the operations function to really help enable and optimize the revenue team? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, and yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think RevOps is the secret weapon for revenue teams if done right. Um, and there's just so much. The best way that I've found in leveraging a RevOps function is connecting it. You have your mission value strategy and how do you connect that uh, to what the RevOps team is working on. I think a lot of times it can, um, RevOps enablement have the risk of becoming just an executional layer for the business. Um, and I think um, areas where you get really invested early on, really connect the dots to our longer term strategy um, and build for that, where they become your change management agents. Um, I've seen wonderful things happen where, you know, sales leadership, RevOps, enablement, all walking lockstep towards the same mm -hmm. long-term goals versus, you know, I think you can have a high output team that isn't aligned to the longer term strategic focus as a business. And that's what the CRO can really help with in terms of here's 18 months from now where we need to be and what are the pieces we need to put in place over the next three quarters to get us there. Um, and so I think the do's are about really giving RevOps enablement a seat at the table. Um, and hopefully as your business matures, not only a seat at the table, they're hopefully the driver's seat because systems design and operational efficiency becomes so much more important at scale. So I'd say that is that is more of a cultural and organizational focus around those pieces early is key. And I see a lot mm -hmm. of startups underinvest there and then later try to catch up. Um, so that is that is my big sort of takeaway. And don't great. Yeah, just don't use it as a tactical layer, which which is easy to do. Um, but you just don't get the most out of all these talented people that can that have that have a lot of great ideas. Yes, definitely. Thank you. I, I appreciate that and love that feedback. <laughs> so we've covered a ton of different things, right? We've kind of got bounced around in a lot of different topics because I just have so much that you know really wanted to dig in with you. But you know, as I think about the revenue engine and this podcast, you know, obviously I hope others will be able to learn how to accelerate revenue growth and really power the revenue engine. So if there was one piece of advice that you would give, you know, to another revenue leader or maybe to another CRO, you know, that one thing that really makes all the difference. What would it be? Oh, this one is is easy. Optimize for culture and people over pipeline. Um, yeah. If you know, if you invest in your people, your in your people will invest back in the company. Very simple concept. Very hard to execute on. Um, but if you can, if you can get that buy in from your CEO, your CFO, truly magic can happen. And so, yeah, it's it's at the end of the day, people over pipeline. And if you can build your your revenue strategy around that ethos, um, I truly believe 
lot, there's a lot of upside because people just want to work at a company that cares for them. Um, mm-hmm. and if you do that, there's, yeah, that, that would be my one piece of advice. I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, but as we wrap up and before I let you go, I always ask two things. One, you know, what is the thing about Dini that others would be really surprised to learn? And two, what is the, the one thing that you really want everyone to know about you? Let's see. Um, the one thing people would be surprised to know is that I'm published in the Journal of Neurochemistry. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, we have to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I worked uh, in college. I worked at a proteomics lab, and I thought I was going to be a scientist. And um, did, a, did about four years of research, and eventually um, that research got published in the Journal of Neurochemistry. Oh. It's this bizarre path that has found me into sales. But yeah, that is a thing that surprises a lot of people. What was the other the other thing is what is the one thing you want everyone to know about you, right? Yes. Um oh man, it's a tough one. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> what was it? I'm hiring. Does that count? Oh. <laughs> I guess that that does uh, that does count, and definitely based on you know everything you've shared just around your leadership style and what you value and what's important to you, I'm sure you're going to have tons of people reaching out to you and wanting to join your team. Yeah, reach out to me. I'm hiring across the board. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, Dini. It's just been such a pleasure to chat with you, and I'm just I'm incredibly grateful and appreciative of your time and just sharing your story and your perspective with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. Great. Thank you. Thanks.